What do you think? Yeah, it's a lovely little movie. I, um, I um, can't remember the last time I saw it. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, definitely it was a great movie. It's slightly smart and witty and funny. Mm, yeah. It is. It, it has like a like a, a really good mix. Yeah. All right. Let's get uh, let's get into it. Okay. Bye. Welcome to Till the Movie Does Part, a movie discussion podcast between one married couple in our late days. Ed from Australia who likes watching movies, and Bibi from Colombia who likes arguing about them. We will discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly experiences of our movie-going adventure as a means of breaking down the films that are significant to us to hopefully help avoid breaking up our marriage. Will we succeed? There's only one way to find out. There are some films that really don't require too much to be said about them, for they are basically perfect in and of themselves. These are films that anyone can enjoy, from the youngest girl to the oldest man. Films that make us laugh, cry, grip the armrests, or simply sit back and smile, comfortable in the knowledge that we are about to be entertained, brought into a fantasy where anything is possible and our wildest dreams don't seem so out of reach. The Princess Bride is one of those films. Released in 1987 to good reviews but mediocre box office, Rob Reiner's film slowly but surely grew into what it is recognised as today, a perfect family film. With screenwriting legend William Goldman adapting his own novel and Reiner about midway through his early career hot streak and a cast of veterans and novices alike coming together without a hitch, all the ingredients were gathered and combined, like some sort of magic potion, to create a charming, funny and thrilling fairy tale that was designed to make fun of itself and its well-worn tropes while expertly using them at the same time for maximum audience impact. There is plenty to dig into when it comes to the making of this film, as well as the creation of Goldman's original novel, which Vivi and I will endeavour to cover in our conversation. But really, with a film like The Princess Bride, the real-world creation of it, as interesting as it seems to have been, seems almost superfluous when compared to the spell it casts on those who watch it. Its magic seems effortless and immediate. Very few films have the ability to make the fantastical and the strange so accessible and charming. Whatever the trick is, though, it works like gangbusters, and that's really all that matters. The Princess Bride is a wonderful film, although not one to which I've returned that recently, or regularly. Now that I have kids, though, this may change, and I can't wait to watch as it casts its spell of enchantment all over again. Hola, mi nombre es Inigo Montoya. Tú mataste a mi padre. Prepárate para morir. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Today we are going to talk about Princess Bride. And this is a very special episode until the movie to us part. Because this movie was suggested by one of our listeners. So, Kate, if you are listening to this episode, this is especially for you. Yeah, that's right. So, it's nice to have a, um, you know, a, um, a suggestion or a, a listener request. So, uh, if there's uh, anyone who would like to do that, drop a line on the, uh, on the social media. But, um, yeah, so, um, Princess Bride, um, 
you just want to get straight into it or no let's let's talk first about the categories well it's really and i mean maybe maybe you've got a different idea but it really only um ticks for me the relationship category because it's not a movie as much as i like it and i do sort of love it it's not a movie that's particularly meaningful to me i'm not sure if it is to you well no it's not like i can call it um yeah like a masterpiece but i don't think it's uh, it's not meaningful i think it may become meaningful to us if we like show the boys and they really like it yeah but like it is meaningful because it's part of our childhood not mine no yours no you never watched it when you were a child nope certainly not that i can remember and if i did it would have been once and then i forgot about it okay well for me it was um okay well there was a time <clears throat> there was a time where uh i used to watch all these movies mm. and the princess bride reminded me to a movie a series of movies that i used to watch in in um international channel in colombia mm. um a portuguese one and it was like great and it has the same kind of feeling mm. so yeah i don't remember the name though so but it was really good. Okay. Well, it, it obviously fits into the category, the meaningful category for you then. Um, it's not ambiguous because it's like a fairy tale. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, not homework category. There's no real sort of social importance in there. Um, it's. I, I would like to add to the social importance category, maybe some sort of like psychological, emotional issues uh okay because this one's it, it does have emotional issues all right well we'll come back to that um it's not a guilty pleasure it, we've both seen it. it actually it could probably be considered an undisputed classic i don't know that there's anyone that would have a bad word about this film mm-hmm. and particularly now and definitely um it has been like it is still in mind in the mind of like our generation oh yeah like we have seen what the simpsons Mm. um and for example how i met your mother they had an episode where they talk precisely Inigo montoya and you know like uh, shows that nowadays yeah yeah uh, we are watching yeah they are making little comments so it's got like cultural significance Mm -hmm. okay well there you go all right so Um, did you want to start off with uh, going into any more detail about why it's meaningful to you? or No, probably let's go to the summary of the movie. Like, for the very unlikely, unlikely... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We say the same thing every it. week, yeah. All right, so <clears throat> basically the plot of the, the, the um, Princess Bride is that it's a story being told to a young boy by his grandfather. And you see this at the start of the film... Peter Falk plays the grandfather. Fred Savage from The Wonder Years plays the young boy. And the story that um, the grandfather is telling the boy is called The Princess Bride. And within that that story, the plot is about um, a young girl called uh, Buttercup. And she's a beautiful young girl um, who lives in this sort of farmland or something in in a fairy tale land called Florin. And she sort of hangs around there riding horses and doing all that sort of wonderful stuff. And eventually <clears throat> the... Um, a young farm boy comes to work there called Wesley, 
Uh, he's played by Carrie Elways. Uh, Buttercup is also played by Robin Wright. Uh, Robin Wright. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, she uh, Buttercup, you know, enjoys bullying um, the farm boy around, ordering him around, telling him what to do. No matter what she gets him to do, he always just says, you know, as you wish. And eventually she works out that as you wish means, you know, I love you. And she works out that, or she realizes she's actually in love with him and they get together. Um, but uh, Wesley says that he's going to go off to some faraway place and um, and try and get some gold and money for them to live happily ever after. And he goes away and eventually Buttercup hears that he's been taken captive by the dread pirate Roberts, who's this, you know, um, figure of great uh, fear in, in the land. Because uh, anyone who gets taken captive by Roberts uh, is killed. So when she finds out that he's been taken by the pirate, she um, thinks that he's been killed and she's devastated. At the same time, the Prince of Florin called uh, Humperdinck he comes along and basically says, I want to marry Buttercup. So he takes her away up to the castle and blah, blah, blah. They stay there. She's obviously very unhappy and she's only happy when she goes horse riding, you know, and that sort of thing. And on one of these horse rides, she gets kidnapped by three strange men. So she gets um, kidnapped by these three strange men. There's a, uh, a short little Sicilian guy who thinks he's the smartest guy around called Vizzini, um, a giant from... <clears throat> Greenland called Fezzik and a Spanish fencing master named Inigo Montoya. Inigo. Inigo Montoya. Um, so uh, these guys are here to kidnap Buttercup um, and basically the story just takes off from there. Um, when they initially take Buttercup out onto the boat and they go off to the Cliffs of Insanity, they see that someone's chasing them and it turns out to be the Dread Pirate Roberts who's for whatever reason chasing them. You know, long story short, it turns out that Wesley is actually Dread Pirate Roberts um, and they he gets back together with Buttercup and it's about, the story becomes about them, you know, uh, escaping um, the land of, uh, of Florin or es escaping the clutches of, of Prince Humperdinck uh, and also for Inigo to get revenge on the six-fingered man who killed his uh, killed his father. So it's a, you know, it's a bit of a swashbuckler. It's a fairy tale. It's a really, really nice story. It's a love story, quite obviously. Um, and, yeah, it just sort of, as I sort of tried to mention in my introduction, it's, it's a weird story with weird characters and weird events, but it, it, the, it just makes it all so effortless and enjoyable and you get sucked into it immediately immediately you're in the story it's you know all the stuff with wesley and buttercup at the start like even the name's buttercup like it's it's ludicrous it's ridiculous but it just for whatever reason it's just got this you know magic the alchemy is there and you can't help but be drawn in and not only that the film comments on that like, you know, in all the comments from the kid to his grandfather and the kid saying, oh, this is, you know, this is yuck. They're kissing and oh, I don't want to hear about this. And the grandfather's like, yeah, yeah, no, it's okay. It's okay. And then we get more and more sucked into the story and so does the little boy. And then the grandfather says, oh, I see this is sort of getting to you too much. I'll stop reading now. We can come back to it. And they're like, no, 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 keep going, keep going. You know, it's so clever. It, it works on a number of different levels. Um, it's a marvelous film and yeah, I really enjoyed rewatching it. The way that I see it is that the father, uh, the the grandfather, um, sold the story to the kid, mm. but 
his job is selling the story to the audience. Mm. You know, like, I think we are the kid. Yeah, yeah. The audience is the kid. Like, oh, I know the boring, like, love story. Yeah, yeah. You know? Until the grandfather said, well, they are pirates and they are souls. Yeah, but but I mean, like, the, um, like, not to sort of get too far into it, but like, I think if you're a young girl, you'd be quite interested in the, um, you know, in the love story and all that well, sort of stuff. That is. <laughs> <clears throat> in general, I in think... general, maybe you are different, Monomore, you're more of a tomboy or whatever, and you prefer the fights and all that. But I'm saying in general, I think most little girls would be taken in by the, the love story. Thank you for the mansplaining. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Lord. I'm here all night. Um, no, I think uh, it's for both genders. Of like uh, when 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 there is a story that is interesting, that there is love, mm. yes, and romance, but also is there are fights and pirates and stuff. Both girls and boys are interested. Yeah, yeah. Maybe okay. boys not so much in the loving if they are too young, yeah. but still, mm. there is something that I read um, somewhere on the internet. That says that the movie, uh, you know that uh, the 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 mastermind of the plan, what is Vizzini. it? Vizzini. He always says inconceivable. Yeah, yeah. Inconceivable. Well, the movie is about the opposite of that world. So conceivable, mm. like those impressions of first ideas that you get about something. So, for example. The first conceivable idea that we uh, see in the movie is the little kid that when he heard the name of the story, he immediately thinks that it's cheesy and pink and all of that Mm. until the grandfather says, well, this is about pirates and swords and fights and death and love and, you know, Mm. and magic potions. And like, okay, okay, I'm going to, I'm I'm going to allow you to read it. Yeah. <clears throat> but not only inside of the story, it, not only outside of the story, but inside of the story. Mm. So we have Buttercup. The name, the name kind of tells you what type of person she is. Mm. She is like butter. You know, you see her tough with a little bit of heat, she will just get melt. So like she is the typical damsel in distress that she needs to be safe that she cannot take really decisions mm. like in face of that she prefers the easier option even if she's not happy about it mm. so like typical damsel in distress mm-hmm. then we have wesley and his only motivation is love so everything that he does is for love, mm. for you know, for love of her. He let her bully him. He let uh, he even when he's angry because he th- he thinks that she lied to him. As in what she she, well, she moved on she, from him too quickly. No, lied to him because she said, "I will always uh, wait for you." Oh yeah, you know, and <clears throat> and as soon as she thought that he was dead, that yeah, yeah. like disappeared. Yeah. So even when he is angry, he is still looking for her. So mm. he is still in love with her. So everything that he does, he mastered the swordship and and he's very smart and everything because of her. So mm. his only motivation is love. Mm. Then we have Inigo, which is 
kind of the opposite. His only motivation is vengeance, mm -hmm. is revenge, is, is a very dark emotion because the only thing that moves him is to solve, to show the six-finger man that he grew up, that now he's better and now he can revenge his father mm -hmm. because what he did was wrong. Uh, both, you know, within the film itself and also um, uh, like the making of it and the creation of the story and, and you know, what Goldman did with the book and, and all those sorts of things. But, it you know, it's sort of not, not um, unnecessary to talk about, but it, it doesn't really matter because it's just, it just works. It works so completely. Um, and you're right, it's, it's simple, but there's so much, com uh, not complexity, but um, it, every little bit and piece of the film of the story um, is perfect. Mm. It, it, you know, exactly, it does exactly what it needs to do because all the pieces fit together perfectly. Um, it, it's, you know, it's a masterclass in writing. The screenwriter of the film, William Goldman, you know, a, a legend in Hollywood, uh, wrote Butch, um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. He wrote a couple, a, a number of uh, books about, you know, the workings of Hollywood. Uh, and he wrote this novel um, called, well, it, it's called um, The Princess Bride, but it's it's much more convoluted than that. Uh, it's called, bear with me. The Princess Bride, S. Morgan Stern's classic tale of true love and high adventure, the good parts version by William Golden. So the, the book itself, I don't, I've never seen the book. Oh, this is just from what I've read about it online. The book itself is presented in like this fashion as though it's been sort of um, cobbled together from a larger, an older manuscript by some guy called S. Morgan Stern. It's complete fabrication. It's just all from Goldman's imagination. And what he's done is he's um, taken this uh, sort of like the idea of the film itself, like all the good parts of this fairy tale story called The Princess Bride and just gotten rid of all the other crap. And he's got like footnotes in it that go into like other parts that aren't in the book. And it, it, it sounds really, really amazing. I'd love to get my hands on a copy. Um, and... So that, that's it in book form. And to do that in film form is basically what he did with the grandfather character and the boy character. And um, the, like the whole thing about the book is that um, <clears throat> the reason he's just taken the good parts of the story is because he's, you know, he's um, uh, read the book that way to his own son. But he doesn't have a son in real life. He's got two daughters. <laughs> and, the re and the reason it's called The Princess Bride is because uh, he told his daughters he was in real life genuinely he was he told his daughters he was going to write them a story he was going to tell them a story and um, what he wanted to be about and the girl said I wanted to be about princesses and the other one said I wanted to be about brides so he's okay that's what I'll call it the princess bride and it just sort of sprung from there you know it, and he's Goldman has has gone on sort of been interviewed about it a number of times and he said it was the best writing experience that he's ever had because just as it took him a while it took him a number of years like stops and starts but it just it opened it the story opened itself up to him at a certain point in time and he just banged it out in a, a short amount of time so it was very hit and miss and very very um uh stop start and it wasn't an easy process 
but for that little window where he was just inspired and the story opened up for him, he just punched it all out, you know. And it's sort of like it's interesting that um, it occurred that way because it it seems like it almost had to have, had to have occurred that way because it's such a perfect story. It it doesn't seem possible that you'd be able to sit down and logically sort of think it out and yeah. it was it's pure inspiration and it that doesn't happen every very often and it doesn't go on for very long you know it's 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 very very amazing um, and from what little I've read about the 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 actual production of the film it was almost the same like there were many different points where this was going to be turned into a film and. For whatever reason, people pulled out or funding got pulled. So I'll stop, start, stop, start. And then Rob Reiner comes along, who's, and I'll get into him in a minute. But basically, he came on and then it was, you know, it just progressed magically. You know, they got the funding, they got the cast, they lined up. There was, you know, um, a bit of back and forth about some of the, the actors they were getting or wanted to get. But eventually, everything lined up and then bang, bang, bang. And they just, they got it out there, you know, and they, they made the film. So it's 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 a really interesting film <clears throat> in it in and of itself, but everything that went into the story is is interesting as well. But again, like as interesting as it is, it's just it's it's just this little jewel that's sitting there, and you, the, all the other stuff around it, as good and as interesting and as exciting and all that as it is, it still you don't need any of that because the jewel is just there, and it will always be there. This is a film that will never ever lose its um um uh, what's the word it's age yeah it won't age <clears throat> i mean this came out in the i think the, the mid to late I, 80s yeah no it wasn't it wasn't in the 90s no no mid to late 80s it was like 87 or something like that okay and um you know and again at the time it, it wasn't um you know discarded or rejected or anything it just wasn't a, a huge success um, but it's just grown and grown and grown and grown. And, you know, and such is the nature of it, 50 years' time, people will still be watching it. But it's like, even though with all the technology and with all the visual effects and everything, it still feels close, you know? Because it's not about, it's not so much about the, all these effects and everything. No, it's not. It's about the essence of people. Yeah. You know? Again, you know, like they are really um, clear characteristics mm. of each character uh, that that gets gets to you. Mm. You know, like for example, I can feel the sorrow and the pain of Inigo mm. every time that he does that. But he is not coming from the victimhood; he's coming from the from the I love so much my dad mm. that even after dead he's helping me to you know finding my friend yeah. for example mm. i have so much faith in that man in what that man did or or what men mean to me that i'm going to avenge him no matter what mm. or you can feel for example the love of wesley you know that not even dead like death can separate him from his loved one. Mm. Um, and it's, it's like, not necessarily, and this is a misconception that a lot of people, including you, 
have and is that for us as a woman it doesn't need to be pink it doesn't need to be cheesy it doesn't need to be overly romantic mm. to be an interesting story for a woman yeah i see i never said that that was the case what i said was that the romance stuff obviously appeals to young girls i didn't say that that was the only characteristic i'm saying that that was the appeal and like the only reason the story came into existence was because the two little girls wanted princesses and wanted brides okay so i wasn't saying that that was the only reason i was saying that that sort of stuff typically generally appeals to the young girls and the other stuff appeals to young boys but as i said in the introduction it it runs the gamut and this is what you're talking about it got it, it from the youngest girl to the oldest man you wouldn't you would struggle to find anyone that would find something wrong with this film mm, yeah. that's true is there anything else that you wanted to talk about like with any of the characters like inigo because He's, is he one of your favourite characters? Mm. Yeah. Why? I don't know. It, it's... He is... He's interesting. Like, um, you can see him in many stages. Mm. You know, like uh, when, uh, when he is just following orders or when he is in a desperate mode, like... Everything has finished to me when he is drunk, waiting for Vizini. Mm. Or when he is, uh, uh, how you said, um, he has recovered his strength and he has a plan. And he's like, I don't have the mind to make a plan that works, but I know who can do it. Uh, when he's kind, uh, when he helps Wesley to go out to the, the and he's like, excuse me, um, I'm kind of busy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you hurry up? <laughs> it's like those kind of conversations. Yeah. Like, I'm going to kill you anyway, but I'm going to help you now. But I'm going to be like uh, a gentleman about it. Exactly. Mm. Um, eh, and when he goes and finally gets his revenge, so like he's... You know, like the this this six finger man throws the dagger, and he is hit, and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to let myself." You know, like uh, I I fail, mm. but then he starts saying his mantra, mm. you know, and then he continues, and that gives him strength, and it's like, and it's something that like it, it seems irrelevant, but sometimes you just need to tell yourself that you can do something mm. and you will do it mm. so his mantra was that i need to tell this guy that what what's my name that he kills my mom my, my dad and that i'm going to kill him and i'm going to do it mm. because i'm in Diego montoya so like i love it um and at the end i you know like uh, again he goes back to that i lost my purpose okay so i already finished this now what else mm. and i can see him as a perfect pirate mm. oh yeah for sure like i can see him as a pirate yeah yeah so he is really like you go you travel with him you know all those stages in his life and you feel for him mm. you want him to get his revenge yeah absolutely. you want him to be happy <clears throat> yep. you know it's mm. like you connect with him yeah yeah uh, and that's right and Pretty much with uh, all the main characters, like you connect with um, Fezzik as well. Like he's just a, you know, a gentle giant. Yeah. Who's got a, a lovable, good heart. A, lo a lovable 
teddy bear, yeah, yeah. huge teddy bear. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, because like as kids, well, as I'm, I can't speak to um, you know, what girls sort of go through, but as as young boys, like we we you know have all these um fantasies growing up about you know um befriending lions or you know tigers or some something that seems scary and vicious but actually making it our best friend you know and then you go off on adventures together and you know get bad guys and that sort of thing and and physics physic is a perfect perfect example of that you know this big hulking giant but he's actually just a lovable guy and he's a good guy and you know he'll he'll um have your back and all this he's sort of loyal. stuff he's loyal exactly um, you know, so those sort of archetypes, um, very, very powerful. And, and I think that's why one of the reasons why the film works as, as immediately as it does, because yeah, it's got all this sort of weird stuff like the screaming eels and those sorts of things and the rodents and, and rodents of unusual size or whatever it is, <laughs> but <clears throat> the, the main characters are these archetypes that you can immediately graft onto that you can identify with, like you're talking about with uh, Inigo. Um, Inigo. In, yeah, okay. Uh, I'll just call him Montoya. Uh, with Montoya. Jesus. Oh, <laughs> with Mandy Patinkin's character. <clears throat> um, anyway, uh, it, it's, it's, it's very primal and very powerful. Mm. Um, and what we, you were talking about before, like um, saying how it's not about the special effects and that, and like obviously the special effects were probably, you know, pretty hokey for even back then, but that almost... Um, That's the it, fairy tale Yeah, exactly, essence. exactly. You know, it, it doesn't have to be realistic because it's not a realistic story. So you can have these, you know, weird, awful-sounding, screaming eels that actually become quite scary in the moment, even though they are obviously, obviously fake. They're still scary because you're caught up in the story. Um, but that's that's kind of like how books yeah, yeah. works. Yep. Because if you are reading a book, you know, like about ancient times and a story, similar mm. like, you know, this fantastical story, mm. Well, it, that's how kind of you imagine things, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, the rodents um, with like huge, enormous size. Mm -hmm. You don't, you are not going to think of like little tiny things, but you are going to think of like a huge with feet, yep. and, you know, like eyes and everything. So it's kind of like very in reality of what your imagination can create. Mm -hmm. There is something that I would like to comment, not about the movie, because the movie is I love it and it's magnificent. But last night I was watching a video, you know, that I love TikTok. I love the videos over there and mm. everything. And last night I was watching a video about uh, of this girl talking about um, <clears throat> issues that we see nowadays. And now, now talking about this movie made me realize that we grew up as a generation, our generation and previous generations, we grew up with a, a, a conception of what was love and and how you show that, that feeling, that emotion. So for example, we see Buttercup that she bullies Wesley, uh, but his only answer to that is, hey, respect me? No, his only answer is, yes as you wish and that means i love you mm. and then we create this idea that 
because I heard you, I love you, and that's like an equal, and that's not true. Nowadays, with all these female empowerment and all the movements and everything, we still have lots of difficulties. Say, for example, a simple no, no, I don't want to. So this girl was talking about that, like she was saying that it's not just that guys are in, insistent sometimes when they hear that rejection and they don't know how to accept a rejection and say no means no. Mm. But also it's that girls, they don't know how to say no. They said maybe, um, I don't know, you know, later, you know, but they are not specifically say no mm. and that's uh, that's an issue because we grew up with all these disney stories and with all these um movies and literature and everything where like women had to um allow herself to be like um like a, a, a um how you said like uh, be wanted you know, so like you don't an give object your, of desire. Exactly. You you don't give yourself immediately. You just you need to be desired by the men and you need to be chased by the men. And we grew up both men and women. We grew up with that idea. Um, and we can see it here, for example, with Buttercup. <clears throat> As I said, she is the perfect damsel in distress. A man has to save her when she is capable um, and 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 it's strong enough to be able to say, no, I don't want that. I don't want to marry you, mm. you know? I, like when when, like when like he says, did you accept? No, I didn't. But she didn't say anything, you know? Mm. And a lot of people live like that. Mm. Like, did you accept? Did you say, no, I don't want that? No, I didn't. Okay, so that is not valid. But it still, it's not using your voice. Mm. You know, so like, I know that this movie is, is, is not about these issues, but I think that it is important to say that this is fantasy and this is the fantasy of a time and um, generation that grew up with that kind of ideas. Girls saying, I want to, I want stories about brides and I want stories about princesses and everything was pink and romantic and cheesy and, you know, mm. but nowadays, nowadays we have come to realize that, um, that's not a generalization, you know, women can, <coughs> women can like pirates and souls and fight and not for that they have to stop being female and gentle and loving and romantic and all of that stuff also bullying is no good and bullying doesn't mean that you love someone no but it's interesting like <clears throat> um i remember when i was a young kid um a, well, a young boy, the, you know, I, I had crushes and, you know, all these girls at school and that, but it was terrifying to me that they would ever find out about it. So much so that I would, I would prefer to say, oh, I hate you, go away, than actually admit my feelings. And that happened numerous, numerous times with all these girls that I went to school with or I knew of. 
Um, and I think I, I think that's sort of what the Princess Bride is getting at in terms of how Buttercup acts. Like, you know, she's this. She's almost afraid of the fact that she, you know, is in love with Wesley. And it's not until she works out that he's in love with her that she sort of, uh, you know, Allow allows allows herself. Yeah, and after that, they never look back. It, it's more about the. Um, it's more about that fear of acknowledging that. At least this is what I took from that part of the story. Uh, a fear of acknowledging, um, uh, you know, your feelings towards someone else. And, and actually, this is probably a good point to bring this up. It's not only that sort of romantic, um, you know, fairy tale love. Um, it's also, and, and watch watching it, watching the film this time, it was. Um, I, I remembered bits and pieces of it. But I interpreted it in a in a much different way. It's not only about that romantic love of you know, young love and those sorts of things, but it's about you know the love, for instance, between a grandfather and his grandchild. Mm. And I can't tell you how hard the final line of the film hit me when Peter Falk turns around and says to his grandson, "As you wish." I got a lump in my throat and my eyes were watering. I did so well not to show you that I was basically crying my eyes out. <laughs> it, I'd completely forgotten that that was the last line of the film and it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was, And it, it made me reconsider the whole film about what it's about because that line and the way Peter Falk says it sums up everything that the film is saying, you know, yes, it's about young love and about fantasy, but it's also about, you know, um, storytelling and it's about having connections with, you know, with your family and all that sort of stuff. And particularly, you know, from as an older person to a younger person, imparting them and, and wanting to guide and protect them and all of that. And, you know, sometimes it's difficult to express that. We don't have the tools, particularly as men, particularly as older men, we don't have the tools to express that and we're afraid of expressing it. Just like a young kid's afraid of expressing to a young girl that he's actually in love with her, doesn't want to acknowledge that. But you do other things to sort of demonstrate that. And when he turns around and said, you know, as you wish, it's just, it, it honestly, it pounded me in the chest. Like, like I actually can't remember the last time I was that moved by something. Um, I don't remember either. <laughs> what? No, what? Well, last time that you kind of got teary and everything was, and that was a long time ago. What? You got teary for 12 years as slave. <laughs> yes, I know. And you been... get teary for the movie, the dog movie that I yeah, don't like. Well, anyone actually, yeah, we might have to do. No, I will Hachi not make that movie. Tail no. on, uh, on till the movie deal was part. Anyone that watches that film will be a friggin' you know Magdalena yeah anyway um yeah it, it was I'd completely forgotten that that was the last line of the film um, I actually didn't catch that part like I did are you serious yes I'm very ashamed to say holy crap it, it yeah uh, it just it blew me away and it was it's you know there's films that just um end perfectly you know, they've got a really uh, an excellent last line of dialogue or a, a, an awesome scene, like, you know, The Godfather with the, the very last scene of the film where Kay's just looking at Michael through the doorway and the door shuts 
or you know you know from that sort of dramatic extreme to something like um some like it hot where um, <clears throat> I think it's Tony Curtis is in the boat. Uh, it's it's an old movie, classic movie, where two guys uh, end up dressing as women um, and to escape from uh, or to hide from mobsters. And <laughs> the final line of the film, actually, oh no no sorry, um, even the birdcage. Oh, so in some like it hot, <laughs> in some like it hot, uh, one of the main characters, I, I think it's Tony Curtis. Um, he's getting a boat ride off some rich old old man, and he's basically trying to explain to the man that you know he's a he's not a woman he's a man. And then the final line that this bloke says, "Oh well, nobody's perfect," because he's made up his mind that he wants to be with this guy, even though anyway, um, you know something like that. Or the birdcage, the final line of that film where they're all coming out of the nightclub, and um, and, uh, and Gene the Hackman, driver. the driver's like uh, Gene Hackman saying to his driver, you know, he's all dressed up as a, you know, a, a drag a, queen. Yeah, a drag queen. He's saying, meet me down at the such and such. And the driver just says, lady, not for a million bucks. <laughs> it's so fucking good. It's just hilarious. And, you know, that, so that's what I'm talking about. Like, just perfect, perfect finisher to a film. This is another one. Um, and again, maybe it was just because I, I'd forgotten about it or didn't even. Uh, take it in the first few times that I've watched it, but it, yeah, it it really hit me hard, and it was it's such a, a lovely line to finish on. I know that you said that. Well, the story starts with the grandfather saying that he read that when his father, yeah, yeah, was a child yep. and he was sick and all of that. So, like, very loving father. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was really nice. Uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a wonderful film. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? I just wanted to talk about a couple of like the the actors and and well, uh, Rob. We need Liner. to be quickly because it's two. So what? I don't know. You have to go pick up your son. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he can wait. <laughs> Speaking of talking about loving love, fathers, yeah. Um, so uh, basically, uh, just to sort of get into more of the um, sort of filmmaking technical side of things. This film, I've already spoken about William Goldman's complete legend. The director of the film is Rob Reiner. Uh, he's the son of Carl Reiner, who's, you know, considered a, co a comedy genius over in the States. Rob Reiner, um, he was in a sitcom. Uh, now, what was it? Was it All in the Family, I think? Um, yeah, he was one of the main characters in that. That's sort of how he got his start. But he also um, became a film director quite early. And he, his first film was This Is Spinal Tap. First film as director, This Is Spinal Tap, which is basically the original mockumentary. And it's one that we should do for this podcast down the track. Um, it's basically a fake documentary of this uh, rock and roll band, who, who's, who's a fake rock and roll band called Spinal Tap. And it's generally regarded as one of the funniest films ever made. It's an absolute classic. Dad loves it. Absolutely loves it. Anyway, so that was his first film, like an acknowledged comedy classic. That was made in 1984. Then 1985, he made a movie called The Shaw Thing, which I actually don't even know what it is. Never heard of it. 1986, he made Stand By Me. That's a film, like a coming-of-age story about a group of young boys over in America. It's based on a Stephen King novel. Very, very good film. Then he made The Princess Bride. Then he made When Harry Met Sally. Mm. Then he made Misery. Then he made A Few Good Men. Holy so he started off just on an incredible hot streak, an amazing hot streak. 
So that took him up to 1992. So he's gone from 1984 to 1992 with one, two, three, four, five, six. Six bona fide, genuine classics. Uh, so the film he makes after A Few Good Men is North, which is atrocious. <laughs> it's an absolute bomb of a film. It's, it's an inexplicably awful piece of filmmaking. And then he sort of comes back a little bit with The American President, with Michael Douglas and Annette Bening. And after that, it's really just miss after miss after miss. Um, and I wanted to just highlight that because it's pretty extraordinary for someone to start off with such a prolonged hock streak. So he's gone from 84 basically to 1992. So what's that? Nearly a decade with six genuinely classic films. And after that, it's really not much at all for the rest of his career. So, <clears throat> I mean, and that's not a like a, you know, a anyone with those six films in their filmography can be considered like a genius because they are. But, you know, it, it doesn't last forever. Nothing lasts forever. And I think we've sort of spoken about this in a couple of other episodes, you know, how um, it's a bit unfair to, to expect that someone just can keep making good film after good film because it's so difficult to do. But that, that run, particularly to start off with your first film and then just go bang, 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 is but, amazing. But and this is that, right in the middle of that. But maybe that happens because the pressure is not as much. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't like know. when you are starting, like people are not expecting that much from you. It's mm. kind of like what happened with the Matrix movies. Mm. The first one is amazing. Mm. But then it creates so much expectation. Expectation. Yeah and buzz of you know all this energy mm. that at the end it just ruins things yeah when you overthink things they they don't come out naturally yeah i don't know i, I honestly don't i don't think every, anyone will ever know um uh what why you know how how someone can make you know such such great films and then turn around and make an absolute turkey you know mm -hmm. again because no one actually that sets out to the best absolutely absolutely it does and that's why it's it's such an indefinable and an unknowable thing because no one sets out to make a bad film mm -hmm. anyway um i just wanted to highlight that because that it's it's again like i'd always known about rob reiner and known that he'd made those films individually but just looking at it for this podcast i'm like that that is incredible absolutely incredible Anyway, so um, it's perhaps not a surprise that the, that uh, Princess Bride is as good as good as it is because it came out right in the middle of, of that hot streak. He'd already got a couple of really good films under his belt, and he was going to make a few more. Um, so <clears throat> he's obviously a big part of of uh, of the reason the film is as good as as it is, and also how it came into existence because he was coming right off the back of Stand by Me. He basically had carte blanche to do whatever he want and he's like anything you know to all the studios like yeah 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 all right i want to make the princess bride oh uh, anything except that <laughs> um and eventually he you know he's a lovely guy but he's um uh he'll he'll stand by his his own convictions and his his own wishes and so he did that with this and eventually you know he won william goldman around and got all the ball rolling he selected the cast even the, the what is the name of the wizard of the um, in the Princess Bride? The wizard. Yeah, the the guy, the witch. The... Oh, mad, uh, magical Max or something. Yeah. 
Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal. Yeah, Billy Crystal. Like, you know, f- awesome cast. Um, and, yeah, got it all together and got it up and running and, you know, they went and shot it and made it. And, yeah, incredible. And the other thing, of course, is the cast, you know, that, you know, originally, or not originally, I think they always wanted Andre the Giant for uh, Fezzik, but there was a couple of times there where um, he wasn't going to be available because of his wrestling commitments. So Arnold Schwarzenegger was was almost going to be cast <laughs> as Fezzik, uh. which, you know, would, wouldn't have been bad, but it would have been different. Mm. He, he doesn't have the same um, gentleness. gentleness and, you know, that sort of um, empathy, I guess, mm. um, for, for others that, that Andre the Giant obviously did. Um, I think Patinkin was always one of the first uh, choices for Inigo, uh, for Montoya. Um, did, he did, any, uh, did he do anything else? Mandy Patinkin. Yeah, I have. I don't remember any. Oh, shit, yeah, Vivi. Like, he's, he's, you know, one of the most highly regarded sort of Broadway performers of all time. Um, he was uh, he was in a number of, like, he's in Homeland, that, that TV show. Right, that was uh, on for a number of years. Um, very, very, very well-regarded actor. A bit prickly, I think. Like a couple of his TV shows that he was on, he sort of left quite early, I think, because he's, you know, a bit um, a bit difficult to handle. But um, an amazing singer too. Singer? Oh, God. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I don't know what f- other films he's been in where he's sung, but he was in, remember Dick Tracy? Yeah. He he was a he was one of the guys in that. He played eighty eight keys and he did a number of songs in that. He's beautiful singing voice. Mm. Maybe we can do Dick Tracy in uh, in an upcoming episode. Um We already have a list. Yeah, I know. Well add that one to it. Um yeah, very, very, very well respected um stage and screen actor. Mm. Uh so he's he's done a number of things. Um the Wallace Shawn, um, Vizina, he's, you know, he was in the Toy Story movies. Um, he always was the bad guy. No? Oh, not, no, it's sometimes, but, you know, more like the goofy sidekick and, and those sorts of things. But very well-respected sort of writer and, and um, was he a comedian as well? I'm not too sure, but maybe he is. But, yeah, very well-respected. Robin Wright, this was one of her first films, I think maybe her first so she's she, very young. Very young. Very, very young. Carrie Elways as well. He'd done one or two films, but it was very much on, on the up and up. But that's Wesley. Yeah, yeah. Well, the one that I remember the most is um, uh, um, uh, Robin Hood. Oh, Men in Tights. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. Okay. I actually thought that they were made by the same guy because they came out Fairly close. In- no, Robin Hood Men in Tights is Mel Brooks. No, I know that mm. now. But, I mean, they came out... Not really. No? Robin Hood Men in Tights was like 92 or something, 91, 92. Oh, this was, was late 80s? 87. So that's about four years. So it's not really close. Kind of. Oh, yeah, okay. In Vivi's uh, perception of time world, yes, it's it's right on top of one another. Um, so... Uh, anyone else in the cast? Oh, and a, like Christopher Guest, the guy, he plays um, the, the Six, Six Finger, Finger Man. Man. He is in Spinal Tap. And He's in what? Th- this is Spinal Tap, Rob Reiner's first movie, the, the, oh, yeah. the mockumentary about the rock band. And you couldn't get um, different, more different performances from the same guy. 
Like he, he's um, also regarded as like a, a comic genius, Christopher Guest. Um, but he doesn't really act in this movie. No, he's more just sort of has this weird stare going mm. on his whole time. But he like he plays a pretty good bad guy. Yeah, like it's believable. But yeah, it's not something that you know, like you see him. Oh well, no, I think he makes a pretty good impression. Um, mainly, it's just the way that he looks. But yeah, certainly, like the performance and the character in this film is much different as uh, from uh, old Nigel Tufnell from um, from Spinal Tap. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a really lovely little film, um, and yeah, again, it's not one that I had thought about doing for the podcast, and it's not a film that I've watched in a while. But I'm very very happy and grateful that we got a chance to sit down and watch it. So um, uh, thank you, Kate, for for the suggestion. Um, we really uh, enjoyed watching it and discussing it, and I hope uh, that um, we uh, we did it justice because it's it's a great film. Um, you know, with with a lot to, it gives you a lot to think about. Um, but even if you just want to enjoy it for for the the family, the family sort of entertainment value of it, it's um yeah, it's it's great. Okay, well, um, thank you so much for listening to us today. Um, we hope you enjoyed as much uh, this episode as we did. And I, before we go, I just wanted to remind you that we have our social media accounts. We have Instagram, we have Twitter. Instagram is uh, Till the Movie, and um, Twitter is Till the Movie uh, underscore. If you want to send us your your movies, if you want us to watch your movies and have an episode, please do so. And that's it. Thank you for today um, and see you next time. See ya. Bye. Bye.